Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, guys? It is another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. So here we are. We are still in full pandemic mode. Wade's not in today. Uh, we're bringing in special guest Tommy Morris from Play Frenemies, VP of Business Development over there. Really cool app where you can uh, play fantasy sp- sports, I guess, uh, based on reality shows. Um San Diego guy, he and I go way back. Um, he also did a lot of work for Fox Sports here in San Diego, doing some uh, high school sports shows locally. He and I are going deep into the 1998 World Series Yankees Padres game one. And he was live tweeting this the other day. I have no idea why he decided to go back and watch this, but I was talking about it. Also kind of, you know, internally and with Wade about doing a podcast just on this game, because for me, and I know a lot of other people listening, probably as much as this game hurts, it was the last great Padres team there was. There's been some good teams since then, but nothing like this where we were in the World Series and had a real chance to win. This game kind of defines Padre fan fandom ship, I think, um, for generations. It's it's one of the most painful sports memories I think anyone ever had in San Diego. And it kind of gets forgotten in the great sports ether among uh, Yankee fans and among non San Diego people who don't realize how much this game stung and how much it meant to San Diego as as a franchise that doesn't have a long history of winning and doesn't get to the world series very often. This is all we got. The Padres celebrated this 98 team. Now they did their 20 20th anniversary like reunion at Petco Park recently they gave out all the, the bobbleheads, the Vaughn, the Hoffman, the Caminiti, the Gwyn bobbleheads. Um, we've got those all up in the office here, by the way. But Tommy and I deep dive on this game. We wanted to talk about it. Um, I don't know why, probably because we hate ourselves, probably because we have nothing else to talk about on the show. There's no sports news. So this might become a series where we, we look at Padres games from the past and review them with a fine tooth comb, with a microscope, go way deeper than um, we have before. Took a lot of notes on this game, and we have a lot to talk about um, in the game. We're going inning by inning here, breaking everything down. Um, even stuff that has nothing to do with the game. People that are watching the game. Celebrities. Denzel and Bruce Willis were at this game, so we're going to mention that. We're going to talk about that, go over everything, and then uh, we'll get you out of here. We went long with the episode today, but hey, we're still trying to produce content for everyone to listen to and had some fun doing it. So um, before we talk to Tommy though, let's talk about bet online. So I know there's not a lot to bet on here, but you guys can still, if you're a gambler like me, we can find stuff to bet on guys. It's not over. Um, While you're waiting out this whole thing at home, go to betonline.ag. There's no NBA. There's no NHL. There's no MLB, but we still got stuff. There's casino, there's poker, there's blackjack. There's a whole bunch of games they have online. 
You can still bid on some mixed martial arts, which hopefully are happening soon. Um, the elections, which will be happening, you can definitely bet on that. They're they're getting really creative with things to bet on. So go over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. You're going to get a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. Bet online. The fun never ends. All right. Let's get to Tommy Morris and uh, take a big drink of something alcoholic and go over this 1998 Padres game. Game one. Um, all right, so let's get into this. Tommy, welcome to the show. We are Thank going to... Me. Sorry, what's that? Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. And uh, I, it's crazy that you were you were live streaming or you were live tweeting the of game one of the 98 World Series, right? Just by yourself? Yeah, that was one of my quarantine activities this weekend as I sat on my couch by myself and watched all four hours of that baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> so you found the YouTube Which was, stream with no like, commercials, by the way, imagine how long, I mean, I forgot how long that game was. Imagine watching that thing live. I totally forgot. It was like four hours without commercials with commercials. That thing must've been at least five hours. It's crazy. <laughs> so you have to be an insane person to watch this. And I'm glad I found you and that you did it because I pitched this idea to Wade is an idea to rewatch this game because in my mind, it's a game that I think kind of defines Padre fans, no matter what generation you are, no matter if you were alive for the game or not. It's the quintessential Padres game, and Wade had no interest in doing this with me, so I'm really happy that you bailed me out and were able to watch this, because a solo show wouldn't have been as fun. Well, it is kind of a little bit of torture. I don't know why I did it to myself, to be honest with you. I, I just wanted to see it again. I, I I want to see the Padres in the World Series again. I just I had to watch it. I remembered it, but I, it's a little bit different watching it again. I don't think I'd watch that game and probably, like, it had to have been... I, I, I want to say I watched it one more time since it happened like 10 years after the fact, but that was the first time I like watched it and actually paid attention. It was more brutal watching it this year than it was watching it 10 years ago. Uh, watching it live obviously was heartbreaking, but it was, it was tougher watching it this year. Once a year, I feel like hating myself a little bit and I'll watch the Tino Martinez grand slam in the seventh inning, but I hadn't yeah. really watched the whole game. It was a really good game. Just being objective. I thought it was a great game. It was a good game, and, and obviously it was a better game for the seventh inning. But <laughs> um, it was the first it six innings were amazing. Yeah, um, did not end well. Um, I every time I, it's just one of those Captain Hindsight things. Every time, especially going into that inning, when you see Dave Stewart going to the phone, calling the bullpen, it just makes you like cringe because you know it's coming, and Donnie all Wall. of it. Just Donnie Wall, Donnie Wall, yeah, Donnie Wall. He does not get enough blame, by the way. We're going to talk about Donnie Wall a lot later. If they, when we, we're going to go through this entire game, I hope you're ready for it. And we're going to do yeah, a lot right. of Donnie Wall talk, and we're going to get to who deserves the blame most. So save all that. Save all those hot takes for the end of the show. I will. But what, I want to know because you're you're a couple of years younger than me. Um, this game was actually on my birthday, October seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. I had just turned what is it, twelve? Um, no, eleven. Sorry. Uh, what were you doing? At the, at this time, you were were you at, with your family? Was, were you with your brother? Was, what was up? I was with my whole family eating dinner, and my mom had allowed us to take the kitchen TV and bring it into the the dining room so that we could watch the game during TV, which was a rarity in our household. So we got the privilege of watching that game, and I stood in the kitchen the whole entire game until it was over. Um, 
eating dinner and then I was just kind of walking around in circles, pacing like a psychopath. But I mean, that was a fun season. I mean, I, I was, you know, seven. Uh, I, I remember, or no, sorry, I was nine, excuse me. I remember wearing like band, the Padres bandanas, you know, they gave away those towels oh, um, yeah. in the NLCS. So I had, I wore that as a bandana to school that day. I was so excited and it just kind of, it was a tough one. But it, the, the problem with this game too, is it gave me enough encouragement to think that this could still happen. I mean, it was an away game. It's not the end of the world to lose an away game. It's game one. Mm -hmm. It could still happen. And obviously, we all know how the series ended. It did not still happen. But it it gave me enough hope to think they could win one of those games in New York and then come back um, and maybe win one in San Diego, make a series of it. But it just did not end up being the case that way. Uh, you're you're a big sports guy. You you played sports growing up. You're a good athlete. Do you, you you're a momentum believer, right? Do you believe in? momentum carrying through a series like this, even in baseball, where it's more of an individualistic sport than other team sports like basketball or football. I like in baseball bats a lot like free throws in basketball. I don't think it's fair. It's because it's really the only sport where it's just you and, you know, the pitcher or whatever, but you're really in your head. Same thing with a free throw basketball. There's no really any other obstacle there. Same thing, kind of like golf swing too, right? There's no Mm -hmm. other obstacle. And then that swing or that free throw becomes tougher when the pressure's on. And when you, are behind the eight ball a little bit. There's more pressure. It makes it more difficult to hit. Same thing with the pitchers. More difficult to pitch because the pressure is on. You're kind of back against the wall in that kind of case. If they win game one, I think they're a lot looser in game two. They're a lot looser in game three, a lot looser in game four because they've kind of taken a little bit of the pressure off because they've won a game in New York. So I, I'm a big believer in that, especially in a series like this. I think the bats become way more difficult when you have, um, you know, in the back of mind knowing that. It, especially after that seventh inning, only have two innings left to go tie this thing. And then going into game two saying, geez, we really need to bring one of these games back um, to San Diego. Otherwise we're, we're, you know, not going to be able to to close the series out or win the series. So do you believe there's an alternate universe where maybe the Padres can actually win the series just based off of this one game changing so much? hundred percent. Yes. I I think Padres win this game. I I think this, this series, Padres win this game. I think the series goes seven, at least seven games. Um, I don't know if they end up winning it, but I, I, I believe it'll go to at least seven games. It's, it would have been completely, uh, completely different series. And I know we're going to, we're going to talk about that seventh inning. We're going to talk about that one pitch, but I think completely different series. If, uh, they come out of there in game one with victory, my, my takeaway, we'll talk, we'll talk more about it, obviously, but uh, I just thought the whole game, the Padres looked just as good as the Yankees, even though, you know, the Yankees were considered the best team of all time. They won more games. Um, they were breezing through the playoffs, the Padres, kind of the underdogs throughout the playoffs and they just looked as good as the Yankees. And um, if you know that those middle innings figure out that one inning that they are, they're step for step with the, they're out playing the Yankees the entire game. So I don't, I'm, I'm a firm believer too, that if things change just a little bit, the, there's a scenario where the Padres win this thing, but um, let's get right. We're going to do some pregame stuff with the, the announcers and all the stuff that's going on with the players and the teams. And then we're going to go deep dive inning by inning and break this whole thing down. Are you ready? Let's do it. So on the call, we've got Joe Buck. Looks great, by the way. Do you know he looks so Buck young? Looks? And yeah, he looks so young in that video. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, I mean, Tim yeah, McCarver was, is still there. 22 years ago, but still, I was like, damn, he, he, he has had that job for 22 years. Yeah, and he's, I don't think he's addicted to hair plugs at this point of his career. Not yet. Bob Brenly is there with Tim McCarver. So Bob Brenly thoughts. What, were you, what did you think when you saw Bob Brenly? Was so uh, Bob Brantley was this, this was, if I'm not mistaken, after the Chris Davis quote unquote, can I use the S word? It's a family podcast. Oh, you can say what it, yeah, whatever you want. It, the quote unquote chicken shit bunt on Kurt Schilling's uh, no hitter. I think this was, this was right after that, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? I it was thought that bunt afterwards. was 2001. Kurt Schilling on the Diamondbacks. 
Actually, you might be right. You right. Yeah, you might be right. So, so a little little foreshadowing to the the hatred that Bob Brindley is going to have uh, for Kurt Schell, or for the Padres as an organization. I just thought um, it was great. Every time to Bob. I see Bob Brindley, the first thing I think of. Yeah, I was thinking it's so nice hearing Bob. He, he gets the job of so McCarver talks about the Padres and or the the Yankees and how great they are, and then it's Bob's turn. Oh, what, hey Bob, what about the Padres? And it's just Bob laying on the compliments, I'm like Bob. Love you, man. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be rough in two a couple years for you when uh, Ben Davis breaks up that no hitter. That was a great day, by the way. You want to do that game next? We could do that game in a couple we weeks. We do that game next. Yeah, it was just that one moment in time. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it just too and just going back to the announcers. I know we haven't gone through the game yet, but throughout the whole game, there, it was when the Padres took the lead. They were almost stunned at what they were watching, and that was kind of disheartening and it was frustrating to watch uh, or to listen to. Um, it's like they gave them no credit at all going into the series. And no credit, even when they were winning yeah, in the late innings, no credit at all. And actually, we'll get to it too, but Joe Buck completely jinxes the game uh, for the seventh inning. Ooh, I didn't write that in my notes, so you're going to have to enlighten me when that comes. Right. Um, so before the game starts, they talk about both teams, the 98 Yankees, 114 wins, most in AL history at the time. Did the did the Mariners break that a couple years later? Uh, the Ichiro, I the Ichiro Manor, yeah, I think the Ichiro Mariners team broke it. Um, they led the league in runs. With six, they led the ERA and also 382 is a team ERA. It's insane that they led both. So um, postseason, better ERA, 227 ERA for the the staff. Opponents are only hitting 195 off of them. And they get Boomer Wells on the mound for game one, who they they had said they had won his previous five games. Um, I thought he was a little bit hittable during the regular season. I don't have these great memories of Boomer being an elite starting pitcher. He had a 350 ERA during the year. But post game pitcher, he was lights out the entire the, the entire ninety eight postseason. Doesn't walk anybody. Command doesn't you know not a big strikeout guy, but doesn't hurt himself. Really solid safe option uh, to win a postseason baseball game. I was a little surprised. It, it kind of I guess this is how it works out um, with scheduling and stuff with with your staff. But getting starting game one, um, he he's a guy that the Yankees were really relying on a lot in the postseason as their best pitcher. I thought that was a little unusual. Uh, yeah, and it's got to be a weird game for him because he is a San Diego guy, and I'm sure in the back of his head he kind of wanted the Padres to, well, not win because obviously he wants to win the World Series, but I, I think if he were to lose anybody, he'd be happy to lose the Padres. Um, fortunately for him, I guess he didn't have to deal with that. But, it, he, again, he was their number two guy pretty much throughout the whole season. Um, good, solid pitcher. Um, Padres got unlucky because that, that meant that Pettit got a pitch game four, and he was really their best pitcher that whole season. So it, I Wells did look very hittable in this game. He gives a bunch of home runs, as we'll get to uh, later. He gave up four home runs, I think, in the postseason in general, which is kind of a lot considering he had a good postseason, mm-hmm. which is kind of surprising. But, again, a hittable guy. And at, at this point in his career, what was he? He was 35 years old. So, you know, one of the, the, they had a very veteran pitching staff with him and Cone. And then Hideki Arabu was 30. Orlando Hernandez, 32. Uh, Pettit was the youngest guy at 26. So they, they had some older guys. On the staff, I guess David Wells, like you're saying, I mean, he's got the postseason experience, and he really kind of lit it up throughout that whole postseason. But this game, I mean, he almost – if they would have lost this game, it would have been on him. Didn't you hear during the broadcast that Joe Buck made a joke about Orlando Hernandez being 29? And he's like, yeah, really? <laughs> and they were like <laughs> – I, I couldn't believe they did that on a, on a game in, of this magnitude in the World Series where everyone's listening. He's just joking about how Orlando Hernandez lied about his age. Yeah, I – you used to be able to get away with a little more stuff on the mic. <laughs> so the Padres, uh, they won the division in 96, had a pretty good team. Down year in 97 for whatever reason. Um, then it, 
sorry, I got my notes screwed up here. Down year 97. Um, Kim Nitty MVP in 96. Isn't he overlooked a little bit in Potter's history? So here's my, my best take on Kim Nitty. Why is his, his number? I'm going to talk about his like credentials, but why is he not, why is his, his number not retired by the Padres and someone like Steve Garvey is. So let me, I, before you answer, let I me make the case for, for Caminiti. So he's got an MVP, which no other Padre has. Um, the next closest was Winfield who would finish third. Vaughn finished fourth this season. Um, Caminiti's MVP year hit 326 with 40 home runs, 130 RBIs. He was unbelievable switch hitter, gold glove caliber, third baseman, um, had a 7.6 war that year too. So he, I think that's the best season uh, an off a Padres player has ever had offensively. Would you kind of agree with that? So here's why. Here's here's the counter argument. I, I would agree with you. It might be the best offense season Padres ever had. But of of the 15 years he played the major leagues, how many do you think he was playing as a Padre? Well, he played four. Right. So that's kind of weird to me. I because again, I do kind of think of him not as a Padres lifer, but as a guy who spent a lot of time with the Padres. And then when you look back on it, it really wasn't the case. I mean, he was there just as long as a guy like Ryan Klesko. So hey, I, love Ryan. I do, good. I do think it's a little bizarre because again, of his, of his three all-star appearances, two of them were as Padres. Um, I, I think you have a case to make here. They, they do do Caminiti giveaways, but I, it is weird to me. Yeah. You have a guy like Steve Garvey who wasn't really a Padre. He's never gets retired. Doesn't make much sense to me there. Um, I, I think Caminiti does have a case of his number retired, but again, only, only being with the team for four years is just kind of, it's tough and he's not a hall of famer. I think he was a Hall of Famer. It might be different too, but only four tough, years. But best third baseman ever. Best offensive season ever. Only MVP. He's on the best team, arguably. I mean, that the Potters ever had. I think it's pretty safe to say this is the best team they've ever had. Um, in '96, All Star MVP, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, all in one year. '97, All Star, Gold Glove. '98, um, actually, kind of a down year for him. Um, battled some injuries. Didn't, you know, win any of those awards, but yeah, only four years. Yeah. He, I mean, he, (laughs) um, (laughs) probably doing a lot of cocaine that year too. Uh, The on base was three fifty three still in that down year with 29 home runs. Manny Machado loves that year. If he does that, you know, this upcoming season, I mean, that was basically his year last year. Yeah. So uh, those were all four really good years. Um, Cammy's corner, which was a thing he was, he was an icon during his time. It wasn't like he just came in had a few good years and left. He was a part of the Padres culture with Kami's corner, which was like a whole thing at Qualcomm that was, was down there on the field that you could sit in. Um, I know. I just thought he meant a lot to the the community and the team. And even though he was there for f- just four years, it felt like he was a, a Padre, you know, I, it, it'd be hard for me to argue against that. I I'm, I'm with you on that. I just think, I don't know, maybe, maybe his, the steroid stuff might have had something to do with it. Maybe they didn't want to have him in because of that. I, I don't think that's the case, but it would be a reason, I guess. I mean, is Barry, Barry Bonds' numbers retired, right, in, in San Francisco? They that's didn't, a good question. I, I would assume I it is. is. How could it not be? I, I, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, because a lot of McGuire's numbers retired, and I assume Sosa's numbers retired. So I, I, maybe the steroid argument isn't the best. I'm not sure why it's not retired. That's a good point. You, you kind of won me over with that argument. I... He's got an argument to make here. Also, him being deceased. I think if he was alive, it might help a little bit more because he could be around the team. I know that sounds weird, but mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think he would be one of the the next guys in line to make the case that their number should be retired. 
So 97 is the year that they're, it's the middle year that they're kind of down. They go 76 and 86. The Marlins win the World Series, kind of behind Kevin Brown. How the hell has that happened twice? <laughs> I, I'm the serious. I, mean, I always think about it. How the Marlins won two World Series? Um, great question. I have no idea. How do you win the World Series and then tear it down and then win another one a couple years later? I, I don't know. It's impossible. <laughs> whatever <laughs> so <laughs> go on so this leads to the so the, the first big marlins fire sale kevin brown is the big piece that ends up leaving the padres trade for him um do you remember anything about that trade um i remember it to me it was okay the padres actually want to win now because padres traditionally have been sellers and when, when you see him make a move like that you you kind of get excited so it to me was the this is for real this time um kind of trade. So I was pretty amped when that happened. Dave Dombrowski, GM of the Marlins. That surprised me when I was looking this up. Kevin Towers, GM of the Padres, obviously. Um, he's in the last year of his deal, Kevin Brown. He's making $4.8 million. Kevin Towers says, we feel like we got one of the top two or three pitchers in the game. And he was absolutely right. They traded Derek Lee, Rafael Medina, and Steve Hoff. And the last two don't really matter. It's Derek Lee is the guy that kind of mattered here he was the young prospect he was i think 15th um in the league in in terms of prospect rankings i think according to baseball america um had a good little season 15 years in the league had some had a couple all-star appearances got some mvp votes he was a good player but i think the padres clearly for just even just if it's just one year of kevin brown i think this was a no-brainer deal yeah i mean he he's pretty much one of the main reasons why they even got there and then in this game that we're going to talk about he he deserved to win this game he did everything he could to win this game it was it's a shame he didn't get that W um, in game one because he, he did nothing wrong, pretty much. I'm just going to run down his season in 98. So 16th in MVP voting for a starting pitcher, which is awesome. 257 innings with 257 strikeouts. You don't see that anymore. Um, he becomes a K per nine guy, so he actually gets better this season than he was in the 97 season. ERA at 238, uh, 106 whip, third in Cy Young voting. Um, behind Hoffman. Did you realize that? Trevor Hoffman, That's, second well, in the Cy Young voting Hoffman, that year. Yeah, Hoffman only blew one save that year, I think, right? He was 53 for 54 in saves. Glavin wins it. Um, but Brown had by far the most war of any of those pitchers. So Brown's war was 8.6 that year. Glavin, 6.1. And Hoffman, 4.1. This wasn't really that close. It should have been a Kevin Brown Cy Young. Why, why would they give us a Glavin? Just because he was on the Braves? I'm the Braves serious. were a better team, I think, and I think they won maybe six or eight more games than the Padres did that year, and so they just give it to the best pitcher on the best team. It's kind of a, a lazy thing they do. Yeah, but the Padres ended up being in the World Series. True, and do they announce those awards after the World Series? I don't remember. Uh, no, they don't. You're right. Crap. But, I mean, look, Kevin Brown had more innings than him. He had a lower ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, what else do you want? I, he seems like a no-brainer to me, but... Last thing before we get into arguments about things that happened 22 years ago, (laughs) (laughs) Tommy, this is what we have to do right now. So don't, (laughs) this is all we have to do for the next couple months is argue about things that it's crazy. You know, if you look at these stats, Maddox was almost better than Glavin. What what was Maddox like that year? Maddox had had the lowest ERA at two, two, two. He had nine complete games. He had five shutouts. He pitched 20 more innings, 21 more innings. I He had an argument more so than, than Brown. The only difference is he won 18 games and Glavin won 20, which pitchers game winning is a stupid 
doesn't mean anything anyway. But uh, I, the, the, the win stat, love the wins. That it doesn't, it literally means nothing. But I, I don't understand. If I was Maddox, I'd be pissed. Like, dude, I, I'm better than this guy. And he's, we're on the same team. I don't know what you want from me, but I'm lower whip, lower ear, everything. Everything's better. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, last Great. thing we're going to do before we get into the game. So lots of pregame stuff to talk about here. Tony Gwynn, we have to acknowledge how they got here. Tony Gwynn, how did the Potters beat the Braves? It's because of one guy. And it's because he owned, absolutely owned the trio of Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz. And there's there's a whole bunch of internet stuff going around that you know talks about how the, the, the stupid Tony Gwynn stats, which are you know the things that I, I love reading on the internet more than anything are probably just Tony Gwynn things that Tony Gwynn did during his career. They're really fun. And the ones against the best pitchers of all time, Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz are some of the best. I mean, I'll even take you back one more. I'll take you back to the series right before they beat the Astros because the Astros just traded for Randy Johnson and it was a big deal. Mm. And they beat him in game one, two to one. Um, and then, because again, this is, you only got to win three in this one. And then they beat him again in uh, game four with Sterling Hitchcock. So beating Randy Johnson twice in the same series, I, I don't know if that's ever happened to Randy Johnson ever again in his life, but they beat him twice. So beat him was, twice in the same series. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so Maddox, Gwyn's numbers against Maddox. Maddox is famous for not walking anyone. Um, he walks 1.8 batters per nine during his career. He walked Tony Gwynn in 100. So only 107 plate appearances. He walked Tony Gwynn 10% of the time, which is nuts. Um was never able to strike him out. I think he struck out three times in 100 plate appearances. Uh, batters hitting against Maddox hit 245. Gwynn hit 415 with an OPS of 997. Uh, against Glavin, 105 plate appearances. Tony hit 303 with 741 OPS. Uh, and then against Smoltz and just 75 matchups, hit 444 with over 1,000 OPS. Um, and he watching this game, he looked so so comfortable in the world. He looked like one of the best players in the world, which he was. It was really sad that he didn't get more opportunities on this stage because watching this game, he looked like the best player. It was it was nuts how how good he looked in this game. Yeah, and it, you know this would be the last time he ever got to play in a game like this. And I think I think it was he last thirty eight at the general. time. Yeah, he was thirty eight years so. old. Really was a shame. And then in, in this game one, he went three for four. So he, again, another guy who did everything he could to to get them to win. He just did not. And he hit a home run, which for him was kind of rare. So he did everything he could. I, I it hurts me to see the, the fact that he didn't get one or even just, I, they, I know they won one game in 84, but the fact that he couldn't get one game out of this series. And I know he was excited to play in Yankee Stadium. They talk about that in the broadcast as well. And he couldn't pull one off in front of the, uh, you know, the legends out there at Monument Park. It's too bad. Not getting one was really sad. It just, uh, and now he's gone. Also, just it makes it even worse. And I, I wanted it so bad for Tony. Um, the lineup for the Padres: Kilvio Veras, Tony Gwynn, Greg Vaughn, Kim Nitty, Jim Laritz, Wally Joyner, Steve Finley, Carlos Hernandez, and Chris Gomez. So, game starts. Here we go. First inning. David Wells. He's three and zero in the playoffs with a one ninety ERA. He's only walked three guys. He was all over the place this whole game. It was weird. The first batter of the game. Um, Kilvio Vera's walks. So like the, the tone is set here with Kilvio kind of battling, um, not having a great postseason himself either, but, um, he battles for a walk. Tony Gwynn, they, they do a hit and run. Tony flips it in the left field base hit. Um, did you know Greg Vaughn was cousins with Mo Vaughn? I don't think I knew that. 
Uh, yeah, I knew that. But you know what's even weird about this game? Tony hitting second, too. I, th- I remember that being kind of a big thing that year. You, you didn't like Tony um, hitting second? I actually, no, I did like it. I liked it a lot. But um, I don't like Larry hitting fifth, but that's, that's here and there. Because I, I remember it used to be Varys Finley Gwynn was kind of how they used to roll with it. And then they, they made that switch. So I, I like having Tony hit second. I, I generally think you want your best hitters to, to be up in the lineup, if anything, to get him another at-bat if, you know, should be at the end of the game. So I, I like having him, too. So Finley, not a great year this year. He's getting a little older, too. Still good on defense, but kind of a down year overall from Finley, I think. So maybe that's why they, they moved him down. And it's a lefty pitching, so you want to move Finley down the lineup. Um, doesn't matter for Tony Wynn. So we got the first two batters on. This is this is great. We're, we're off and running. Two batters on. And then Greg Vaughn, who's battling, they, they said a quad injury during this game. What was it? It was, it was a quad, right? Um, hits into a double play. Uh, Cam Nitty battles, finally strikes out. Jim Lairitz on deck with the biggest chew that I've ever seen from anyone. And I've seen Tony with chew and I've seen Hoffman with chew. Jim Lairitz, I think wins the award for biggest, you know, uh, that scene in, um, in angels in the outfield where the guy in the dugout's like wrapping gum around his chew. Yeah. It's just a fat ball. That's literally what I think Jim Lairitz threw in his mouth. I'm done. Now. <laughs> so, so, nothing, so Lair, yeah, Lairitz batting. What if you get hit in the head with that thing in your mouth? This is just, oh, you, you just swallow the choke whole thing. on it and die. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a possibility. Seems like an unnecessary risk to take. <laughs> With the bubble gum. Yeah. Extra yeah. sticky. Yeah. It'd probably not go over well in the stomach. Oh, <laughs> um, Parks and Rec episode where Aziz Ansari's character brings Chew to the log cabin. Do you watch Parks and Rec? Uh, I've seen it every now and then. Episodes every now and then. He brings Chew to look like a badass and then eats it not knowing he's <laughs> you're not supposed to swallow. It's called Chew, not swallow. Funny bit. Anyway. Uh, Yankees lineup here. So that's the Padres, you know, make some noise in the first and then, you know, Wells gets out of it, but Yankees come up with the first it's Knobloch, Jeter, O'Neill, Bernie Williams, Chili Davis, Tino Martinez, Scott Brocious, Posada and Ricky Lede. That's a hell of a lineup. I always forget about Chili Davis. Born in Jamaica. Had to look that yeah. up too. They, they referenced it how, a couple of times. How, before. if you're the Yankees, how do you have your left field to be Ricky Lede? Well, Ricky Lede goes on to to fuck us in this game, so it worked out. But I know, yeah. but I, I, they I, they're the Yankees, the Evil Empire. The left field is like the easiest position to find. How do you? How is Ricky Lede? And Tim Raines is on this team. I don't, uh, he's really old. He's thirty eight. He's Tony Gwynn's age. But Tim Raines, I guess I didn't look up Tim Raines' numbers, but he's just sitting on the bench. You don't hear from him the entire game, and Ricky Lede gets a start. I, yeah, so I don't know. Kevin Brown gets the start. <laughs> He's pitched 25 innings in the postseason. He's got 33 strikeouts. He's even better in the postseason somehow. Um, Rich Garcia, who's behind the plate, is having a terrible game. And it, it starts first inning, and I think it's worth noting because it's some foreshadowing here. He, I, I, he was having a, a bad game from the first inning. Did you notice that at all? Uh, yes. It, it wasn't pretty. So... So Chuck Knobloch ends up popping up to Chris Gomez, Jeter ground out to second, Paul O'Neill, who, uh, what do you think of when you think of Paul O'Neill? I think of the episode of Seinfeld where he hits two home runs for that kid in the hospital. Yeah, I thought about that. I also, when I was rewatching this game, I was surprised that he was their three hitter. I had forgot that he had third for them. Like he was pretty good, but he wasn't, he was hitter on the best team ever. Three hitter on the best team of all time. Yeah. That, that, that was kind of threw me off a little bit, but, he uh, grounds up yeah. short, uh, and it's a really easy inning for, uh, Kevin Brown, uneventful first inning, but the Padres make some noise. Well, okay, I'll, I'll give him a break here. It looks like he hit 317 that year, so with 24 home runs, I'll give him a break. Fine, let's it's get the numbers. Year. 
Yeah. Uh, between innings, we get to see Alec McBeal hanging out at the game wearing a $35,000 Babe Ruth hat that David Wells bought. So my thoughts were like, what the fuck is going on here in this game? <laughs> we're showing Allie McBeal sitting with a Babe Ruth hat uh, first row. I, I thought that was funny. Is it, I mean, that sure used to be huge. There's a little product placement there. <laughs> was that on Fox? Because we got a I, lot of Fox stuff to talk about. Yeah, it was, a, it was a Fox game. Because then they make fun of the fact that Billy Crystal, they show him and he doesn't have a show on Fox. But yeah, Allie McBeal, I don't know. Is she a lawyer or something? I, I don't really remember. That Never appealed right. to me, but yeah, it <laughs> was a big, big time show a little before our time. Um, so Jim Larritz is up. Uh, so Jim Larritz batting stance is, I mean, jumps out. Goofy at you. Is so goofy. It's a literally like if, if you had a comedian impersonate what it, they think a baseball player <laughs> looks like and try and act like a wonky asshole, uh, like it, there's no way that him doing the thing where he rotates a bat around a circle helps in any way, shape or form. And then he had the, points towards it. It's, all of it just looks so stupid. I bet if he had a normal batting stance, he would have lasted in the league way longer. With the left leg stretched way out, like he's trying on a dress or something. It was the fu- I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, it looked like the Instagram uh, influencer pose. <laughs> uh, he grounds out to first, and they kept commenting about how David Wells was throwing so hard. He was he was ninety three to ninety five all night. So I was just thinking to myself, what a different era where the guy throwing ninety three with the fastball is getting complimented for how hard he's throwing. Just it's such a different game now. Yeah. I mean, they used to not want to throw their arms out after three years. So the guys now don't really care. Just blow them out. And then they take a muscle out of their ass and shove it in their elbow. And just <laughs> go to work again. <laughs> that was uh, not a commonplace back then. Do what works, you know, if a muscle yeah. in your ass helps you throw harder than do it. <laughs> uh, Wally joiners up. He strikes out on a, a slider. That's about three feet out of the zone. Um, Steve Finley, First appearance, one of my favorite Potteries of all time. He rips a double. Um, so we got a runner in scoring position for the second straight inning. First two innings, we got runners on. Uh, and then Carlos Hernandez, who I don't really have that many fond memories of, uh, pops out first pitch and the inning's over. So Potteries, another wasted opportunity to get on the board early. I know it doesn't really matter too much in this game because they score you know, plenty of runs to win, but um, straining runners in scoring position on the first two innings in the World Series, game one has to hurt a little bit. My fondest memory of Carlos Hernandez, I think they did like a 10-year reunion of this team in 08, and they were all wearing the uniforms, and Carlos showed up with a leather jacket on top of his uniform. Good <laughs> luck. I don't really know what, what the move was there, but he, he, he must have been feeling himself that night because he had the leather jacket on top. But good defensive catcher. Always a good defensive catcher. Yankees come up. Second inning still. Bernie Williams grounds out. Sammy Sosa makes an appearance, getting interviewed uh, between batters. Look, looking pretty short, looking browner than he is right now. Um, and back when he was still loved, everybody still loved him. He was getting like a parade in Chicago, like by himself. People forget Sammy Sosa was a beloved character in Chicago, and now he's an outcast. So I thought mean, that was interesting. No, I don't think he's that big of an outcast. I think they didn't invite him fast. to. They didn't invite him back for that ninety whatever. They were celebrating some thing that happened with the Cubs, and they didn't invite Sosa back. Wow, really? I didn't know that. They're distancing themselves. The corked bat thing hurts him a lot. If he didn't have the corked bat incident, I think we, I think Sosa has a much different post. I mean, that was clearly his batting practice bat. <laughs> clearly. Well, I cannot think of a worse excuse than that. Uh, yeah, it's my um, batting practice bat. So I can hit sick home runs of batting practice for the fans. Get, get out of here, dude. Just You got got. That's it. Uh, it it's, it's not a good luck. Own it. Yeah. Chili Davis, second up. He... Uh, 
gets a hit off KB. So he's, he's on first, um, hits one off of Kevin Brown's leg. So do you think do you remember that when this happened, do you, do you think that affects Kevin at all for the rest of the game? Cause that, I mean, it was, hits it in the fly on the fly off of his shin on his plant leg. You think that has to matter a little bit? Well, yeah, he did walk the next batter, but, and then, and then he, well, he had two walks this inning actually, but I don't know. He did, he did strike out Scott Brocious. I, I think probably got in the back of his head a little bit, but I don't think it really mattered that much. Yeah. So Tino, as you mentioned, he walks, um, Brocious strikes out Posada. Um, I made a note here. The umpire was really struggling again. This at bat, um, there's a, a very high strike zone in this game. I thought overall, and we're going to notice that later in the seventh, but pitches that are knee high are getting called balls for some reason. Um, Ricky Lede comes up, rips a double that scores two and now it's two zero. Um, the ball's fair by a foot. So there's another, another thing that just doesn't go the Padres way. They're leaving runners on this, this Ricky Lede character comes up and gets a double. Um, and then Chuck Knobloch strikes out. So the inning ends and, uh, it's fucking Ricky Lede who does it to us. It's two zero at the end of two. Yeah, hey, Ricky Lede, again, the guy who shouldn't even be on the team. <laughs> it's a guy Ricky Lede. who ends up getting the uh, to run a RBI there. <laughs> um, <laughs> God damn, Ricky Lede. Hold on one second here. I printed these all out thinking it would be easier to keep track of my notes, and it's it's working against me right now. <laughs> Everything's way more out of order than I expected it to be. Yeah, I, I learned pretty quickly never take anything off the computers, leave it on there. <laughs> Well, I leave it on there and my computer at the office is so small that it's, it's so much scrolling. I can't keep track of it. And I like to have everything kind of out at once, but I can't, I can't win either way. So, (laughs) uh, third inning starts Chris Gomez up base hit to left field. Kilvio Vera's up top of the order. Another guy who got a hit who absolutely sucked all season. (laughs) Chris Gomez. Are you hating on Chris Gomez? Yeah. Big time. Chris Gomez. That's Wade's favorite player. Well, that's too bad. Uh, Chris Gomez and Jody Reed, the most boring Padres of all time. Jody Reed, most boring Padre of all time. Okay. Jody Reed signing. What about, I was thinking Ruben Rivera. Or was he? I don't know if he was boring as so much. Uh, oh, he was not boring. He was very disappointing. Watch. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he just didn't have the, the mental capacity for the game, but exciting player nonetheless. So Vera's back up. Um, we got a runner on base here for uh, Veras. So, yeah, Tony, um, Tony rips one to first. And gets out. So um, that was his point. I was thinking Tony should have been two for two here. And instead he smashes himself into an out. Um, but Gomez does get to second base. So Gomez stays on. Vaughn goes oppo taco here over the 385 sign. And did you know, I didn't realize this at the time, but the Yankees traded for him at the end of the 97 season, but he failed the physical. I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. I don't remember that being an 0-2 count when he hit that home run, too. That was pretty impressive. It was, and it was an 0-2 after a foul ball, so it was his fourth pitch of the at-bat. Just takes him the other way. Great piece of hitting. Yeah, That David, guy was a monster, too. Wells goes in on him, um, jams him a little bit, and then goes away. And then he he wasn't surprised at all. Just sticks his bat out there, flips it over the, the right center field. That dude was unreal that year. 50 home runs, obviously. So, on so many steroids, I'm sure. Had to be. He was hanging out with Caminiti. Him and Caminiti, I bet. I bet there's some really good stories um, in the vault about those two guys. Yeah, those guys from Walls could talk. <laughs> Cammy's up next. Uh, strikes out. So not a great year for Cammy. Not a great game for Cammy. But 11-year-old Ryan was having a great time. 
with uh, tying it up here. Th- th- this was the moment that you noticed the Padres really belonged. Is you know the first home run they tie the game. Um, it's the World Series. Like, how could you not be excited? Like, we have a chance to win this game now. Right. Third inning, we got 24-year-old Derek Jeter coming up. Uh, announcers were already stroking him so much, even back then. It was, it, I couldn't believe it. Most um, overrated player ever. <laughs> we've talked about that on the show um, a whole bunch. He, But he really sparked this uh, this Yankees kind of dynasty. He was on the, his rookie year, I think, was 96. They win. Um, they skip 97, but then they win 98, 99, 2000, and then they lose 2001. So that's, you know, four titles in six years and Jeter's there for all of them. And I think that Jeter was not a necessary piece for any of those teams. I think they win these without Jeter. I agree. I I mean, it's the Yankees, dude. They have, they have so many good players. They don't need to have a full lineup full of dudes. I mean, Gwen has to like carry the Padres. I know Greg Vaughn had a good year too, but you, you got like one or two dudes basically carrying the whole team to the World Series. That that to me is impressive. Hitting second on the Yankees or third on the Yankees, not whatever. Who cares? So he flies out. He doesn't really do much this game either. Paul O'Neill flies out. Bernie Williams battles for a little bit. Um, nothing. I mean, the, the Yankees go one, two, three. This order. I mean, nothing happens in this inning, but. Um, on the Yankees end, at least, but the Padres, you know, staking their claim here. So fourth inning, Jim Leyritz leading it off. It's two, two still. They did a little athletic trivia question. Did you happen to catch this? Did you, uh, did you know who the first Padre was to, or the only Padre to ever win a world series game? No, I already forgot the answer, but I do remember watching the athletic trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, I had to write all these things down because they were hilarious. Andy Hawkins game two of the 84 world series. Of course I could have forget. Yeah, the the great late Andy Hawk. Is he still? He might still be with us. I'm not sure. Um, Wally Joyner comes up. So Leyritz strikes out. Joyner's up. Um, doesn't look good against Wells all night. Wells is just kind of messing with him, but uncharacteristic. Wells a little wild too. Um, and Wally, uh, you know, makes contact here, but doesn't have a kind of a forgettable night too. Gets gets one in the left field for an out, and then Finley who has one of the four Padre hits up to this point, grounds out to first, and that's the Padres' fourth. Again, you know, nothing really happening uh, for the Padres in this inning. Slow inning. Yankees I mean, up. These are those middle innings where, you know, when the pitchers kind of settle down a little bit, and you, you'll see for, like, the next three half innings, it's just kind of cruise control for both guys. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing here in the fourth. It's one, two, three for the, the Yankees. Chili Davis, Tino Martinez, and uh, Scott Brocious actually gets a hit into center. Finley has to range pretty far to his right to get it, bobbles it. Brocious gets a little froggy and goes to second and gets gunned down by Finley. So that was a pretty exciting play, too. Finley was a great defensive player, man. I mean, even, even though he's a little bit older when this game happened, I mean, he was one of my favorite Padres ever. Fifth inning, I always want to call him Cesar Hernandez. Why am I, why am I calling him Cesar Hernandez? Carlos. Player. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos. Um, Long fly ball down the left field line, so that's out number one. Gomez pops up, your favorite guy. And then uh, that's six in a row, they mentioned, by uh, David Wells up to this point. Kilvio Veras comes up. Um, so that's where the, Was this the jinx? Because Kilvio Veras comes in and gets a two-out base hit. No, the jinx happened before the seventh inning. Okay, well, you, you, they jinxed pretty effectively David Wells here, who had retired six in a row. And then uh, Kilvio gets on, and then here's the Gwyn bomb that I was referencing earlier. Gwyn hits one off the upper deck and 
you see Tony hit this ball and you're thinking, why can't he do this all the time? I, I didn't understand why Tony couldn't have been an annual, just 20 home run hitter. That's in, in 1998. That's a reasonable thing to expect from a guy like Tony. Uh, I think he kind of stuck his claim where he needed to be. I, especially with all the steroid guys. I don't think he wanted to get kind of lumped in with them. I think he kind of had his own little niche of just hitting singles. So he stuck with that. But nowadays people probably frown upon that. It's like, dude, just hit the ball over the fence as many times as you can. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Yeah, I wonder what Tony would be like in today's. I'm sure he'd be a 300 hitter, but also you know in the 20 to 25 homer range. That wouldn't. I, I think he would. No, I think he would hit below 300, hit more, more home runs because that's what they encourage you to do now. I mean, they, hmm. they don't care about strikeouts anymore. Tony never struck out, but they don't care about that anymore. So I think he would have. Uh, he would have been more of a power hitter if he was around playing right now. Hurting his war a little bit long term. He was never a big walker either. Do you notice that he's like a sub seven percent walk guy pretty much his whole career. And that's why his on base is so low relative to his binary. His binary is, you know, career 338 hitter. But um, the on base for a guy that hits that high, sub 400, um, kind of hurting his career war. Not a walker, doesn't strike out, but did hit like a machine. Yeah. Um, I think there's something to that. I know that the, you know, numbers guys don't like it, but. I think there's something to having to have the defense on their toes all the time. It's frustrating for the pitcher when the ball gets hit. It's, it's kind of a mental thing when you, you see the ball get hit off the bat, even if it's not, you know, necessarily grooved you know, over the fence. Just the ball being put in play, I think it also it is a big momentum builder for the rest of your team. But just going up there and just striking out, it's just like, dude, like, I I, I don't know. I mean, the analytics are not going to back me up on this, but I think there is something to just hitting the ball, putting it in play. Again, even if your on-base percentage is pretty similar to the guys who strike out and walk, I think there's something mentally there um, with the with the balls being in play, and especially with the guys on base, you want you want the ball in play. To, to help For sure, yeah, burners. it's a much more valuable thing to do. To a base hit is much more valuable than a walk when there's runners on base. I think it's the thing analytics doesn't really, you know, talk about enough is the the value of the base hit versus the walk. It, they're not the same. It, it, it's not a one for one thing. Exactly. So Vaughn gets up here. It's two two now after this Tony Gwynn home run. Um, no, sorry. It's uh, it's 4-2. Vaughn, first pitch, absolutely crush it. David Wells is shaking his head before it even lands. Um, and now it's 5-2 Padres. So the fans are dead silent. The fans that get rowdy at the beginning of the game, they're rowdy much later in the game. and You, you sense the tone change. They are dead quiet. And the Padres, you know, fifth. we're, we're over halfway through this game now. We're up 5-2 against the, the best team ever. This is a huge moment for the Padres. This is where I started to feel pretty good because you started to see the wheels coming off of David Wells. You think maybe he's going to come out of the game. They're going to have to go to the bullpen. They're not going to want to waste the good guys in game one. This is where I started feeling pretty good about this game. Yeah, and somehow David Wells survives through seven. He ends up going seven innings. He kind of settles down. Um, Caminiti gets up there. Wells takes him to three and oh. He looks like he's walk- He's lost him. He's going to walk him. And then you know a bad call here, a bad call there, which I definitely – took note of and Cammy pops out to left and that's the inning. So it's not like they were really pushing for more, but to get, you know, the three big runs here or the, yeah, three big runs here. Um, pretty important for the Padres Yankees up. They're getting out hit by the Padres so far. They only have three hits off of Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown has been dealing for the last couple innings. So um, fucking Ricky Leday. Except for Ricky Leday. Uh, Posada gets up. He grounds out Ricky Leday. The, the Padres killer, another hit here, singles to right. Chuck Knobloch turns the lineup over, follows up with another base hit to right. And now Kevin Brown all of a sudden looks like he's in trouble. 
Jeter, who's who's nothing this whole game. Slow grounder to short. Uh, Chris Gomez handles it with ease. Paul O'Neill's up. Joey Hamilton is warming in the bullpen at this point, which is interesting. What do you think of when you think of Joey Hamilton? Uh, guy who does not. Is it like, he had that weird combo of having a baby face, but also having a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> and I just is like just such a bizarre look. Uh, that's literally all I think about when I think of Joey Hamilton. <laughs> so Paul O'Neill uh, grounds out a second, so Brown gets out of it. And that was a chance for the Yankees. Um, when, you know, we take the, we were just talking about how good we were feeling in the fifth inning here after scoring those runs. Kevin Brown comes out, shuts the door on the bottom, on the bottom half of the fifth, uh, gets out of a jam, potential runs. You know, these, these opportunities don't come along all the time in the world series. You have to take advantage of them. Kevin Brown gets out of it. Two thirds of the game is over and we're looking, we're looking pretty good. I got to take a quick break, do an ad and we will, uh, we'll get right back to you. All right, taking a quick break here to talk about True Classic Tees. Love the, the True Classic Tees. Love them as a sponsor. Great for the show. Guys, style is changing. Formal wear is out and the t-shirt is in. I think we all know this already. I wear t-shirts exclusively and not just because it's a pandemic. True Classic T-shirts are the best. It's based in LA and they're a t-shirt company on the rise. So if you want to jump in on a new t-shirt company, they're really comfortable. They're really cheap. Only 15 bucks. They hold up in the wash. They're soft. They're versatile. Wear them out. Wear them to work. If you're still going to work, if you're at home, wear them around the house. Um, like I said, 15 bucks standard, but now you can get them for less because you're listening to the show and we've got a promo code you can use. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout, believe, B-L-E-A-V. You're going to get 20% off. That's believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. All right, back to Tommy. All right, sixth inning, Jim Laritz flies out to right. He's he's doing nothing. Wally Joyner, um, they mentioned how he was hitting lefties this year pretty well. And I always have memories of, of Wally hitting lefties well, not really a split, platoon split guy. Hits really well with runners on base and in scoring position. Um, where'd my thing go? Uh, oh, so he wa- he actually gets a walk here out of, out of David, which is strange because... Again, he, he's been looking lost all day against Boomer, and Boomer doesn't walk anyone. Um, it's a really weird day for Boomer as a yeah, pitcher. Really weird day. And Wally, a guy who also inhabited that two-hole for a little bit, if I'm not, some, if I'm not mistaken. They tried yeah, I love Wally in the two-hole. Um, that's a good point. But when you have Gwyn, Vaughn, Caminiti, it's kind of hard to find a place for Wally at the top of the order. He, he also had one of those stands, one of those old-timey baseball stances that looked like a 50-year-old <laughs> man playing like tennis. You know, it's a great hole. Kind of slaps at it. <laughs> I, I don't know where they were teaching that, but that was, I feel like all of the 60s and 70s, that's how guys used to swing the bat. And, you know, it, it, Wally kind of was pretty much one of the one of the last guys to swing the bat like a like a backhand in a, you know, rec league tennis tournament. So, so uh, <laughs> Wally gets a walk here. Finley's up. Um, and I made another, some of these calls at home plate were absolutely terrible. Finley line drive to uh, Tony Martinez at first, and then he doubles up Wallet Joiner, and that's it. We we miss another opportunity here. A hard a hard ball hit by Finley results in nothing, and uh, David Wells escapes. Fox twenty five, the news uh, they were showcasing plane misses runway somewhere. I want to know what I want to figure out what happened there. Salucci's witch warning. I have so many questions. Who this? Who is Salucci? And what's this witch? Is that a show? Do you remember this? No. And then tailgating tips. I want to know what their tailgating tips were. 
Probably make sure your plane doesn't miss the runway before you get to the game. Yeah, I don't know where this to. plane was. Uh, Fox 25 <laughs> kind of teasing some things <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. between batters. Seems like an important one. I mean, yeah, you miss it. Yeah, you don't want to miss the runways in, uh, in New York. Uh, Yankees up. This is bottom six now. It's still 5-2 Padres. Bernie Williams. This is the, one of the rare opportunities that Kevin Brown actually gets a call, and they get a strike three on Bernie. Chili Davis pops out. Tino strikes him out, too. So this is this is Kevin Brown cruising, and he's right at 100 pitches. Strikes out Tino Martinez on his 100th pitch. So we're through six. Kevin Brown. What are your thoughts with Kevin Brown right now? Maybe... In hindsight, maybe not nine-year-old Tommy, but what do you, what would you do with Kevin Brown at this point? He's at a hundred pitches, it's five to two, but he looks amazing. I know. Obviously, in hindsight, you we would say take him out now, but he's your best pitcher. It's game one. You're only up by three runs. I, I think if they had a little more cushion, you take him out just because you you may be a little more confident and you want to save him for you know game four and then potentially game seven. So I I don't disagree with, with keeping him in here. I, I think that was that's the right thing to do. It's fine. Just kind of, kind of let him roll because I, I know they had Donnie Wall, Mark Langston throwing um, during this mm-hmm. inning just in case, but he got in and out of there pretty quick. And I, I'm totally agreeing with you. I think the right move was leave Kevin in. He's he's the best pitcher on the staff by far, and you're at 100 pitches. It's 1998. It's it's not what it is today where you you start getting nervous where the guy's at 100. Um, sixth inning, I feel like you give him one more inning. He looks great. He just struck out the last two batters. Um, Chili Davis and Tino Martinez. Or no, sorry, I struck out Bernie Williams and Tino Martinez. There, there's no reason to consider, I think, taking him out. It's nice that Bochi had those two guys warming, but I, f- I felt great. Even knowing what happened, I felt great about Kevin Brown, uh, where he is in this game right now. Also, given the circumstance, he's a one-year rental, so you just use him. <laughs> that's what he's there for. He's there, he's there for the postseason. That's it. Yeah, blow out his arm. Who cares? Seventh inning, uh, Bud Seal exciting. His first year is a uh, commissioner. He's eating popcorn. Looking very nerdy and young, which is it was weird to see Bud Selig young eating popcorn at a at a baseball game. Um, and this is where they mentioned that David Wells predicted on the Howard Stern show that he thought the Yankees would uh, win in five games. So you were you were talking about how you, you wouldn't mind uh, if the Padres won. He predicted uh, a five game series with the Padres. He he was very confident heading into this thing. As was pretty much the whole country. Yeah, they were. Um, Carlos Hernandez leads off. He's over three. Get him out of here. Chris Gomez. Um, Kit's kind of an excuse me grounder to Scott Brocious, who makes a nice play, gets him. And then Kilvio, deep fly out. Opposite field for Kilvio, up against the wall in right field. But Padres retired in order. Um, top seven. So nothing going on here. Tommy, this is the uh, bottom of the seven. This is This is, is what the people were waiting for. Bottom seven Yankees. It's 5-2. Um where, where's the, the jinx coming? You want me to just get going here and then you you break in with the jinx? No, the jinx is before the inning started about um, uh, Joe Boca saying something like, no one thought the Padres could do it. Don't tell them that. They're up three runs here in the way, and this is the World Series and blah, blah, blah. And then this all went to shit right after that. Like, it, what is a um, nightmare of an inning? Yeah, it is an absolute train wreck of an inning. And it starts off great. First pitch, Scott Brocious ground out to second. So... I, I, I'm thinking to myself Amen. when I'm watching this game, did I did I remember it wrong? Was I watching the Tino Martinez play from a different game? Like, I think they're going to win this game somehow. Like, 32-year-old Ryan is convinced uh, that the 98 Padres are going to win this game. Posada comes up, base hit to right, and this is when I started questioning, okay, Kevin Brown, um, six and a third, six hits, 
two runs, and he's at 106 pitches right now. Ricky Lede is up. He's kind of had his number today. Is This is when I start thinking, you know, maybe it's time to take Kevin Brown out of the game. Yeah, I mean, so they were warming up Donnie Wall. Donnie Wall actually had been pretty effective that year. He had a 2-4-3 ERA, and then Dan Maselli had a 3-2-2 ERA. Basically, what you want to do is get the game to Hoffman, because Hoffman, as you mentioned, was the number two vote-getter for the Cy Young. Yeah. Seventh inning, it, it just it, – it, it's sketchy because you don't want – you have a couple good relievers, but it, it's sketchy to try and – uh, bridge that gap. You don't want to give Hoffman two innings here, so you got to find a way to get through the seventh and the eighth uh, without him. And I think they did the right thing. They waited till it was a uh, you know path. Well, you know what? I would have. Yeah, yeah. They waited till it was a safe situation. Excuse me. Once it's a safe, safe, safe situation, or sorry, let me rephrase all that. Once the tying run comes to the plate, you take out. Yeah. You got to take him out at that point, and that's pretty much what they did. And yeah, he walks Ricky Lede on four pitches, which you know puts two runners on. Um, is that two runners on? Yeah, Posada leads yeah, first off. And, first and second. Yeah, he's done at that point. You got to take him out at that point. Yeah, and uh, and that's when Bochi comes in and then Donnie Wall comes in. Um, pre- pretty good day from Kevin Brown. I don't think you blame Kevin Brown for any of this. I thought he pitched pretty well. He's going to get charged with these two runs here because Chuck Knobloch um, comes up and Donnie Wall, three-run home run, ties the game. What do you have to say about Donnie fucking Wall? Because I, I don't remember hating Donnie Wall this much, but Ricky, of all the guys to hate in this game, and we're going to do uh, a couple categories of the, in post game here about you know who deserves the most blame here. Donnie Wall, Ricky Lede, uh, Chuck Knobloch, Tina Martinez. Um, yeah, I think Donnie nervous. Wall. You Donnie got nervous. Wall. I mean, you you you, keep, I, you put him in that situation. You got nervous. You blew it. That's that's what happened. I mean, he was thirty years old at this point in time in his career. Um, he'd only been. It was only his fourth year in the majors. Uh, he was with Houston before. I don't know if he even had any postseason experience before this, but he, no, that was it. That was his first, his first World Series game. The only postseason he ever played was '98. So, in that postseason, he gave up one run, one inning to the Astros. I don't know why he didn't pitch that much. The next series, they threw him in three different games, um, and he pitched decently uh, in three innings. He only gave up one run. So, I, I think he just it was just too much for him. At that point in time. And before the home run, the Knobloch, you, you could feel the energy in the stadium kind of shift. Um, Kevin Brown comes out. Fans are starting to get a little antsy in their seats. The tie runs at the plate. Um, and then the home run just kind of shoots everything, blows everything up here. And then Jeter, next pitch, base hit, and then Bochi sprints out of the dugout to get Donnie Wall. And that's it for Donnie Wall. He comes in, gives up the home run immediately to Chuck Knobloch. And then... You know, Chuck Knobloch, speaking of Chuck, doesn't get enough credit in this game, too. I, I've hated Tina Martinez my whole life, but Chuck Knobloch, just as bad. Um, that home run down the right field line, not a, not a, or left field line, not a guy that um, I have memories of hating so much. But from now on, Chuck Knobloch is right up there with Tino. Yeah, you almost forget that happened in the same inning when you, when you think back on this game. It's a crazy, it's seven run inning. It's a crazy inning. There's so many things happening. Um yeah, Chuck Knobloch just gets forgotten a little bit. It's a, it's a weird thing that happens when we remember this game. Is Yeah, Chuck Knobloch wasn't a part of it for me. Same. So Bochi comes out, sprints out. Mark Langston comes in out of the bullpen. Um, I thought this was hilarious. He comes walking out of the bullpen, and you know the camera cuts away when he's you know walking through center field. But he wears his jacket, I think, the entire way into, <laughs> into the infield. I thought that was a burly boss move by uh, Mark Langston. Um, well, Paul O'Neill comes yeah, up. This, 
this is not the best move here. This is the one because you you're putting in a starting pitcher who throughout the season an ERA over five, close to six, in the tied World Series game. Who's thirty seven years old? That that to me was that's uh, not the best idea. <laughs> you have other guys in the bullpen who are used to coming out of the bullpen. You have Dan Maselli, who's like I mentioned before, has an ERA three two two this year. Why why go with the and then you mentioned earlier, Sterling Hitchcock was warming up, who would have been a better option too. Why go with your worst pitcher, arguably? Just an old guy who's an innings eater, or supposed to be an innings eater. And that's that's your move? I, I don't know. That, I guess that's the move. And I think my family was with your family at Tio Leo's one night. And we saw Mark Langston eating dinner and got his autograph. Do you remember that? Um, No, but wherever that autograph is, I'm sure it, it is burned to the ground somewhere. <laughs> I'll have to talk to your brother about it uh, when this is over. We'll see if he remembers being at Tio Leo's and seeing Mark Langston, um, shout out Tio Leo's. I don't think they're around anymore. Uh, so Paul O'Neill, like the, 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 the B minus version of Chevy's <laughs> a little more ethnic than Chevy's, but yeah. <laughs> well, cause Chevy's has a tortilla maker and Tio Leo's doesn't. Oh, I don't know. Chevy's. I haven't been to a Chevy's I think in 15 years. So I always used to like watch tortilla maker. <laughs> uh, so the, I think the only reason, I mean, well, obviously it's, they want the lefty matchup against Paul O'Neill. He comes in, does the job, gets Paul O'Neill to fly out to right. And now there's two outs and it's five, five, and this isn't the end of the world yet. You know, the Yankees came back, they tied the game up, but you know, with two outs here, let's get out of this and then see what can happen to the, in the Yankees bullpen. Um, Bernie Williams comes up. He's a little weaker on the right side. So he has to switch over to the right side. Um, not really worried about Bernie Williams in this situation, but where, where's, where do I have fucking Bernie Williams? Um, wild pitch. Oh, that's what happened. So Langston, yeah, it's the wild pitch by Langston. So Jeter gets to second. That really screws everything up here, doesn't it? Because now you have a runner on second base who they have to change the signs now. Um, you have a runner in scoring position, puts a lot more pressure on the pitcher. It, that wild pitch like really screwed things up, I think trying to get out of this inning that was the worst thing that could have happened uh yes because then they felt like they needed to potentially walk which i i understand the move but <sighs> yes yeah, so they intentionally walk. i understand but i don't you... I, I i don't think i'm not a big fan of doing that with two outs yeah so now you're putting another runner on base now it's first and second um it's a tie game here so it's it's only the seventh inning all these runs still matter it's not like it's the ninth inning right wild Uh, pitch happens on a what the the wild pitch makes the count one one so it's not like these down three oh you just go go get him just go get the go get him i don't i don't understand the thought process of putting another guy on with two outs yeah and it's bernie williams from the right side or chili davis from the right side and chili davis they talked about in the broadcast is a is a much stronger hitter from the right side and he was only hitting right-handed for most of the season because of an injury yeah, so this is an, it's another questionable move here to intentionally walk him. Langston falls behind early and then ends up walking him to load the bases. And, and then it's Tino Martinez is up now. So now the bases are loaded. It's 5-5. Five, five. Um, just a minute ago, it feels like it was 5-5 it was five, five with two outs, a runner on first, and we're going to get out of this. And now it's 5-5, five, five, two outs, bases loaded. It's a pretty terrible situation to be in. Even with Tino Martinez up, you got lefty-lefty, but... This is the worst moment, I think, in Pottery's history right here and kind of the inspiration for this entire podcast episode. Um, the Tina Martinez at bat. So we're going to break this down pitch by pitch here. 
He is hitting 184 in the postseason. They talk about it throughout the broadcast, how terrible he's been. Ball one, curveball, low and outside. Um, ball two, it's 2-0, so Langston, great job, falls behind early. Fastball in the corner, which is... So this is okay. This is the pitch. So if you follow me on Twitter, this is the pitch that I think was the reason for the home run. So this pitch missed. This pitch, that's, I wrote that in my notes too. The, he's down 2-0, fastball in the corner, I think clearly misses, and he gets the call. It's 2-1. So then he's going to um, get a make call later. I, I think that pitch right there is the reason why you're going to see what happens on 2-2. Yes, yeah, so the next pitch uh, is a foul ball, makes it 2-2. And then the following pitch, which couldn't, I don't think, any more look any more down the middle than it actually was. I don't think anyone's disputing. They show an aerial view, and it, it catches all of the plate. Um, freezes Tino. It's got a little wrinkle in it. I don't think it's a true fastball. Is that is that like a little baby curve, or was that a... How, do you remember what pitch that was? I mean, I think it was just straight right down. I, I don't think it had much of a wrinkle into it. I, I, maybe Tino wasn't expecting it, but it was looked like right down the middle at the knees. But, and it was. And I, I didn't think we got much support from the analysts calling the game or the broadcasters calling the game. Uh, I thought it was an obvious pitch right down the middle. Bochi's in the dugout, cursing immediately under his breath. Um, but Yeah, but going back to it, I mean, there's no secret in, in sports there's makeup calls. And I think... Having rewatched the game, I forgot about the 2-0 pitch. I think the fact that 2-0 pitch probably was a ball. Umpire kind of thought and said, all right, I owe him one. And so that was that was the that was the gimme. That was the makeup. I hadn't thought about that either because I had I don't think I've watched that whole at bat really that carefully until last night and today. But yeah, I would agree with that, especially in 90s baseball. I think that's a thing umpires probably did all the time. Um so it's two two. Next pitch. Sorry, three two. It's three two, right? Uh, yeah, that makes it three, two. Cause it was two, two. And then that, that was kind of his ball. And then it's, uh, then it's the grand slam. I don't, I don't know why we're doing this to ourselves. It was, it's a really, it was a gut wrenching feeling even rewatching this, knowing it's coming. I, I still feel bad watching it. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad just watching Mark Linton into the game, but let's hear her there. Um, so the Yankees bat around it's now nine to five. Um, Brocious who led off the inning who got out on the first pitch now flies out to center field. The next pitch, um, nine, five, that's the inning. Um, Still remember it, you know, it hurts just as much as it did then. It's 22 years later, and I'll probably be complaining about that pitch. And then, like you said, the the 2-1 pitch um, to my grandchildren. That's going to be a thing that just lives with me forever, and I'm going to take to my grave at some point. Uh, that and uh, Matt Holliday. Not, I think Matt Holliday not touching home is, is on par with it. That's a good one. You should throw that up on your uh, on your Twitter. Have you ever done that? Um which Both. which felt worse, Matt Holiday not touching home or the Tina Martinez Grand Slam? I'll do that right now. All right, I will vote on that later. Right. <laughs> I mean, obviously the 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 Holiday one wasn't in the World Series, but that's a that's a you know a one game playoff to get into the playoffs, and that was a pretty good Padres team. Um, that that Rockies they, they team went to the World Series, didn't they? They would have gone far. Didn't I mean, that Rockies they, team go to the World Series? 
I think they did the Ubaldo Jimenez year when he was good. <laughs> the one Ubaldo Jimenez year. And then they gave him a ton of money, I think. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um, God damn. All right. So now it's 9-5 and the tone of the game has completely shifted. Eighth inning, Tony Gwynn leading off against Big Jeff Nelson. Another base hit just in right field. Dude's a machine. Um, Greg Vaughn, broken bat to the pitcher. They get Gwynn out at second. And this is where we see Mariano Rivera warming up in the bullpen, kind of ominously. Kim Nitty up left-handed for the first time today. He walks. Jim Laritz strikes out on three pitches. Um, and then Joe Torre gets up immediately and brings in Mariano Rivera with uh, with two outs in the eighth. So I think at that point when Mariano comes in, Mariano is already kind of has this reputation of being the best closer in baseball. You don't score off this guy. So down... Nine five, we have four outs left, and Mariano's in. That's kind of a deflating moment for Padre fans, I think. Yeah. Wally Joiner's up. Innings. Yeah. It, well, you got an inning and a third. So Joiner's up. Um, Tony's on base. Kim Nitty's on base. Uh, your Fox twenty five update: deadly plane crash, sinkhole in Boston. They decide to throw this in here, and then still more tailgating tips, which we we haven't gotten yet, and I guess we're never going to see those tailgating tips are um this is where uh so joiners up this is where graham lloyd runs out of the bullpen by mistake i thought that was pretty funny and then jo- the rivera comes into face wallet joiner so rivera at this point no runs allowed in the postseason nine innings joiner battles him i think he fouled off uh i didn't count them i think it was four or five pitches it felt like and he gets Wally Joyner to ground out to uh, Chuck, Nobl- uh, Chuck Knobloch, um, who boots it. That's the Chuck Knobloch I know. Not the Chuck Knobloch that hits three-run homers, but the Chuck Knobloch. He only throws that, it seven rows in the stands. <laughs> that boots it at second base. And if he's not booting it, yeah, he's throwing it over the, uh, the first baseman's head into the stands. And so Greg Vaughn gets to come in to score here. It's 9-6 Yankees. And are you, with runners on base here, are we back in it? Um, No. <laughs> no. I, 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 no, I mean, once you see Mariano Rivera run out, it's like, damn it, dude. But there's hope here. We just scored a run off of Mariano Rivera. I don't care if it's Chuck Knobloch. Hit it to Chuck Knobloch again. Yeah, I know. But scoring off an area doesn't feel like, you know, feel like you're, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they're like knocking him around. It's just Chuck, some bonehead play by Chuck Knobloch. Well, uh, I think 11-year-old Ryan had hope at this point. And then Steve know. Finley comes up, who uh, we knew wasn't having the best year anyway. Steve Finley... Grounds out to first hit. I think hits the ball pretty hard, but still inning over. And that, I think that was kind of with runners on base. That was kind of your last chance. I think you're not going to score three off of Rivera in the ninth. Brian Bowringer comes in the top of the ninth. Love that throwback name. Brian Bowringer strikes out Posada. Um, Ricky Lade's up, hits a ball in the left field that Greg Vaughn totally buffoons up. Um, I don't know what Greg Vaughn's doing. He, Padre left fielders historically have been so bad on defense. Vaughn, um, Klesko, uh, I think Phil Nevin spent some time. What are we doing in left field, Padres? Um, nowhere you could hide Greg Vaughn, though, I guess. Um, <laughs> but who who should be the DH? I don't know. Yeah, there, I don't know what you get. Ruben Rivera. I, I had the thought that Rivera probably should have come into this game at some point. Maybe seventh inning. I guess we didn't get the chance to, to replace Greg Vaughn, but I think... Would you have considered taking Greg out of the game in the seventh or eighth inning with with Rivera up? Um, I don't know. In a three run game, probably not. And you know he's going to bat again, so I, I wouldn't. 
I would have kept him in just for the bat for that one other bat. I mean, the dude hit two home runs already. What are you going to do? Take it? You can't really take him out. Oh, you think he's going to hit three home runs? He already did everything. No, but he needs at to least, do. at least, maybe I don't know. Maybe he comes up with runners on. They walk him. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's just intimidating yeah. having him still in the lineup. You're right. More more stuff can happen for sure. You're, I wouldn't have the balls to take him out of the game for Ruben Rivera probably. Um, Jeter or uh, sorry, Lede. We talked about he hits the ball on the left at Greg Von Boots Knobloch. Comes in, he's hit by a pitch. Jeter walks, bases are loaded. This could get out of hand really quickly. Paul O'Neill is up, and they bring in Randy Myers out of the bullpen just to get the one out here. Um, the last lefty the Padres have, O'Neill strikes out. It's a huge out, four straight sliders. Um, oh, sorry, that was with that was the second out, and then Bernie Williams strikes out. So Randy Myers, kind of the hero here in the in the uh, top of the or the bottom of the eighth. Where the hell was he in the, in the seventh inning? Yeah, <laughs> Can you, very different game if you bring in Randy Myers instead of uh, Donnie Wall. Randy Myers, by the way, also left-handed, Mark Langston. Yeah, that's a great point. What was Randy Myers doing in 98 that you know had him relegated to? Well, I guess it, well, he actually had a worse ERA, so I guess I'll shut up. <laughs> ERA was 6 to 8 It's pretty terrible. Uh, well, we can play Captain Hindsight here and say that Randy Myers looked fucking fantastic in this game, and Mark Langston and Donnie Wall were dodging. Save the game. Yeah, I would have saved the game. So here's Rivera coming out for the ninth, and this is it's nine six. Um, do it for the Padres. We've got Greg Myers pinch hitting, so off to a really good start here in the ninth. John Vanderwall is on deck. John Vanderwall sighting, and then Kilvio Vera is like an idiot. <laughs> and not surprisingly, the Padres go down one two three to end the game, and that's it. And we know that from from there on, Andy Ashby. Starts game two. He has like flu-like symptoms or something in game two. They get blown out. Never really a game. And they go on to get swept. And that's that's history. I'm telling you, man. They get this one. It's different. I agree. I'm not saying and they think, win the series, but I think I think they get this one. I think it's I think it's a much different series. Obviously, game one on the road, you steal. That changes everything. And I, I you can talk to me about, you know, it doesn't really matter. It was, they swept them. They were clearly the better team. I'm not saying they would win either, but I think you have to acknowledge that the series is very different. Um, so let's get into some post-game categories here. I know we're going long, but I don't think it matters. I think there people need some some content here. And if you are a self-loathing Padre fan um, like we are, then you're going to enjoy this. So post-game categories, who do you blame most? Who gets Who gets the rotten bag of dog shit for this game? We talked about a lot of guys, but who stands out? Ah, uh, it, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Donnie wall, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's fair. Cause it's not like he had a bad season, but he put them in a really, really shitty spot. And uh, Langston, Langston blew it also. But once it's one of those things we were talking about at the very beginning of the momentum, once the wheels start falling off, it just becomes an avalanche. Yeah. Um, and especially against a team like the Yankees, arguably one of the best teams of all time. You can't let that happen. Um, so initially I thought it was really, it was Tino Martinez and then rewatching the game, you, it becomes apparent that Donnie wall was a much bigger, a much bigger factor in the game than I remembered. Um, what about home plate umpire? Uh, I'm looking for his name here. I had it. I mentioned it no, earlier. That's just an old timey baseball thing. I, 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 it's an easy, that's an easy cop out, but that's an old timey baseball thing. It, just throwing it out there. Um, I would agree. I think I, I think you have to give the award. Um, 
the bag of dog shit on fire award to Donnie wall. I think he becomes the, the goat, the original meaning of the word goat, which is the guy you can blame, um, for this game. So I think we're in agreement here. Donnie wall. Sorry, Donnie. Most memorable moment, um, maybe just in general, and then maybe one for the Padres. Um, I mean, obviously you got to say the grand slam, but I would say the win home run. Yeah. I think overall the game is remembered for the Tino Martinez grand slam. Tony Gwynn, if you're a Padre fan, like we are, and most of our listeners are, it, it's the Tony Gwynn home run for them or for the Padres, uh, most memorable moment. Another candidate you could actually say is the, is the missed strike three call on Tino. I think that's a pretty memorable moment. Um, it's right up there with the grand slam because without that pitch, you know, the inning's over if that's a strike. So I think, uh, that's a candidate, but I think you don't overthink this and it's definitely the grand slam, um, for the game. And then it's Tony Gwynn's home run. Um, what about Greg Vaughn's home run? The first runs on the board for the Padres in the world series in 14 years. That's, that's probably deserves a little more credit too. Yeah, that was cool. But there's something about Tony getting hit a home run in the world series that makes it special. True. I'm not going to fight you on that. Um, we talked about this, and this is probably an easy answer for for both of us. Is this the best team ever for the Yankees, and is it the best team ever for the Padres? I don't know for the Padres. Really, this is, this is exciting. I, mean, I, I thought this was a slam dunk question. So, what are your what are your thoughts on other Padres teams? Uh, I mean, I, I doing wasn't doing the research I wanted to do beforehand, but I mean, you could. I mean, the '96 team was really good. Um. The the main difference, I mean, the, the pitching staff wasn't as good as this one was, but you had Fernando, which was awesome. You had Ricky Henderson on the team, which was awesome. And then oh, a lot of the same kind of cast of characters um, they had there. And then again, like you mentioned, that was the season where Caminetti was absolutely on fire. Gwynn hit 353. John Flaherty was playing catcher. He hit over 300. I mean, that was that was a good team. That was a good, good team. Um, 98's probably better. And then if you got kind of go into the 2000s, they had some good teams that didn't end up making the playoffs. Um, but you could probably say this is the best Padres team ever. I, but I, I don't Yankees, think it's, uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah, I'm happy you you brought something else to the table because I really had nothing else <laughs> for for great Padres teams. '84 um, is be- way before our time. I I wouldn't feel good giving a a recap of the '84 team. I don't know enough about them, but they kind of squeaked by the Cubs too, just to get to the World Series, and got kind of smoked by the Tigers. But well, voice cracking all over the place right now. Um, MVPs of the game, or sorry, the 2016 was pretty good too. Uh, that was the Jake PV triple crown year, right? That was um, Piazza. Was, yeah, the, the Adrian Gonzalez was on that team. Uh, Josh Barfield actually played well that year. Uh, Vinny Castilla, remember we had him for a little bit. Yeah, uh, it was a good year for Vinny Dave Roberts. Um, it, it was, it was a good all around team. And yeah, pitching staff wise, uh, PV was pretty. Uh, I know that wasn't PV's best year, but they were they were decent. Um, they ended up winning. Uh, 88 games that year, but yeah, it's, it's tough to argue the fact cause they won 98 games. Um, in that the, the season we're talking about right now, 98. So it's kind of hard to, to argue that 2006 wasn't PV Cy Young year. No, 2007 was PV Cy Young year. I think. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. That was a, that was an electric year. It led the league in wins strikeouts and, uh, was it, it ain't, what is it? What's the third one for, for pitchers wins, wins, strikeouts, yeah, ERA. Wins, ERA was two, five, four. Yeah, and so he looked at all three. Maddox was on the team, even though it was like good. Chris Young had a really good year that year. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I mean, I, oh, I forgot about Josh Barr. Josh Barr was a good player. 
Josh Bard, Josh Bard side in on the <laughs> Josh Bard. There you go. But yeah, no, there's another it's a good all round team. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. The 98 team is the one that's going to take the cake just because they had, I mean, Vaughn hitting 50 home runs. You have Caminati, you have Gwynn. This, that, that was the best team that they've ever had. How about the, uh, the award for, he was on this team guy. So for the Yankees and the Padres, we talked about this pregame or a uh, pre-show and, uh, the rules for this were pretty loose, but was there a guy on the Yankees that, looking over the roster and a guy for the Padres that you're like, said to yourself, what, what the hell was he doing on this, this team? So a guy you didn't expect to see. Um, yes, actually it is a uh, Joe Girardi. I did not realize he was on the team. That's a good one. Yeah. I knew he was Yankee, but I didn't realize he was still on the Yankees when this, the series happened. My Yankee was Mike Lowell. Young, I thought I was 20 play enough, but I don't, I couldn't, I, so I don't want to count him. <laughs> I remember he was on the Yankees, but I don't remember him for one second being on this 98 team. So I saw a 24 year old Mike Lowell on the roster like whoa mike lowell side in here nice good for mike lowell had a good little career mike lowell yeah uh padres who's your padre um i mean i just remember this team really well so there wasn't really anyone i don't one guy i don't remember his name at all is ed giovanola i don't know who the hell that is i, I remember rgc and Franco. i remember james mouton i remember jim i remember all the bench players but who the hell is ed giovanola is, was he in the bullpen somewhere he was an infielder Oh, even worse. I don't know who the hell this guy is. I've never heard a random, you know, seventh guy in the bullpen I could see forgetting. But yeah, the backup infielders you think I'd have a, a better memory of. Yeah, no idea who this guy is. My Padre was Ben Davis. I didn't think he was on this team. He was, he was, he was I think, a 20, call, but like, he was 21 years old, but on the roster in the, in the World Series, wasn't he? I don't know. He had one at bat during the regular season. So maybe oh, he was. Good for him. Know. Yeah, Ben Davis. Yeah, much much more known for his time later, uh, breaking up a big no hitter by Kurt Schilling. But uh, I was surprised that you know Ben Davis was even on the roster at any point during the '98 season. I didn't expect that. And Matt Clement too. Shout out to Matt Clement. He, he was a promising young player. He was mm-hmm. him and Oliver Perez back. I thought we were going to be the foundation of that staff. Oliver Perez is still playing baseball right now. Did you know that? <laughs> How amazing is that? <laughs> I still think of him as like a 21, 22 year old though. Um, weirdest name. Being left-handed must be nice. What's the, what's the weirdest name you saw on either team? Weirdest name as in, then what? Whatever, whatever that means to you. So the last one was the, what the hell is this guy doing on this team? But the weirdest name is a guy that for me. So I'll just, I'll just go for me. You remember James Mouton. I had no idea James Mouton. Was a, I, I remember the name James Mouton. I remember him being on the Astros, but I don't remember him ever being on the Padres. Yeah, oh, I'll go with um, George Arias. Yeah, you want to? Who was? Give me some George Arias info. He's just a backup infielder. I just, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how many backup infielders had on this team. There's a <laughs> lot of guys I now think around the '98 team that were. Apparently, a lot. And then, uh, so Mouton, Houston. And then one year in San Diego. So that's probably why I don't have much memory of him. And then went to Montreal and then a couple of years in Milwaukee where he was decent, but that was it for Mouton. And then Tim Raines also in the Yankees, very old Tim Raines. Um, yeah, I did not, uh, I, I didn't I mean, I, I knew he was on the Yankees obviously, but I, I want to go with Hideki Arabu just cause I completely forgot about him as a person. Former Padre. Great. Hideki Arabu. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Tom, uh, do you have any final thoughts on this game before we let you out of here? Uh, the more I think about it, the worse it hurts my feelings. So I just would rather just leave. I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we both spent, you know, an hour and 20 minutes talking about the worst day in Potter history. Yeah. Well, no, we, we should do the Rockies game next. <laughs> Is that going <laughs> to, that's going to be somehow just as bad though. That Rockies game was terrible in Coors. It, I, yeah. In his day game, it wasn't as bad. I think that one wasn't as bad. I was older. I went, I drove to USC to watch that with some friends and ended up having a, that long drive home. That's, that's the worst part of it for me is I had to drive home after that and just feeling like shit. Oh yeah. That was a tough one to lose. Maybe we'll do that next. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe we will. We, we've got two months yeah. of uh, pandemic to fill. So I think we'll make some time for that. Perfect. All right, Tommy, appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll talk again soon, man. Thanks. All right. See you. All right. Huge. Thank you again to Tommy Morris. Follow him on Twitter at real Tommy Morris. Dude's a good follow. Funny guy knows his sports has a lot of good hot takes. If you're into that kind of thing, local kid, um, that's gonna do it for today's show. I know it was a pretty long episode longer than usual, but Hey, there's not a lot of other stuff to do. So, you know, break the pockets up into a few episodes. I know this is the end of the show, but hopefully, uh, you do like me and you just throw it on the car and you listen and you get as far as you can go. This is going to last you a week. You got, you got a lot of content to listen to this week. Rate the show. If you like it, rate the show. If you don't like it, tell us what you don't like. Very excited to engage with anyone. Follow us on Twitter at fire Farmhands. Subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at believe.com and at believe podcasts. Leave your comments there, questions, concerns, rate the show on all your, pl- on your favorite platforms. You've been listening to believe in Pottery's prospects on the believe podcast network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you guys again next week. What have you been up to since this quarantine started? Bored out of my mind. Over <laughs> you. Uh, the same. Haven't done shit. Like the most fun I have is going to the office solo, doing nothing. Yeah, I mean, I don't do anything at all. The most fun I have is my friend has a home gym in his garage. And I just go there and left. That's cool. It's pretty much all I've been able to do. I've been drinking Corona refrescas by myself at night. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awful. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.